when I did Vicious Circle with Marty Kulner, oh, that was the middle of my career to now, right? It was about year 14 or 15. Here I am now 30, 31 into the career. And the one thing that I've always wanted to be able to be brave enough to share was more introspection, to be able to talk about failing moments, to be able to talk about capsizing moments. And even in this special, there's traumatic moments. Introspection has always been a little elusive for me and probably because there was a period in my life where I was like, I don't know how much I'm ready to share with people. And so when people see the act, I hope they're laughing first and foremost, but upon reflecting, I hope that they're understanding that some of these um, obstacles were really caustic and difficult to navigate, but I found a way to laugh through them and now to be able to share that humor with others. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Dane Cook is a comedian and actor known for his comedy specials, stage presence, and observational humor. He's released five comedy specials and has appeared in movies such as Good Luck Chuck, My Best Friend's Girl, and Dan in Real Life. He was the second comedian to ever sell out Madison Square Garden. Cook's upcoming comedy special, Above It All, was released this October via Moment. It's a digital platform for creators to develop unique ticket experiences with audience. So what's Dane doing on this show? Well, I'll be honest. I actually learned so much from Dane about being an entrepreneur. He has an incredible insight because he built Dane Cook, the comedian, and how he did it over the years, like any entrepreneur building a business. He even started out by selling his shows by literally going into chat rooms on MySpace and promoting his upcoming comedy shows. It shows no matter what, you do have to be an entrepreneur in any field. With his upcoming show, Above It All, on Moment, you can tell he's still looking for the best opportunities, the best methods to grow his business. My first question to Dane was, where did you grow up? And what was it like growing up? And I was shocked by his authenticity and just his incredible story. So he grew up about 10 minutes outside of Boston in a town, Arlington, Massachusetts. I was born in Cambridge, grew up in Arlington. And no, I was introvert. I had a lot of social anxiety. The history of that was my mom was uh, phobic. My mom even, you know, give, you know, before she gave birth in the womb, I was like a, a child of, of phobia. And so she had a lot of things that she had overcome. And then I got a nice little recipe of my father was a confident athlete with broad shoulders. And my mom was phobic and very much uh, trepidatious about a lot of things in terms of moving forward, despite being a big dreamer and a, and a hopeful person. So, yeah, my young adult life was a combination of kind of being scared of the outside world, not liking my, myself very much because of feeling encumbered and also having terrible cystic acne at a time in your life when you want to start feeling like you want to be looked at, you want to feel like you fit in. And then at home, a little bit of performance art that would probably come out just to fulfill that need for entertaining somebody, even if it was just my mom at breakfast. Yeah, it's really incredible when you said that. And 
we're here to talk about you, but I was like, holy shit, that sounds like my childhood. The acne, <laughs> the heart, my mom with the anxiety and phobia, my dad who had played minor league baseball. Oh, wow. It's really, uh, yeah, wow, he, wow. he played uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers, like class, they used to have this tobacco state league, like class, it was like worse than like, a, it was like a ball or whatever, but like, sure. it's funny growing up in that environment and and now like you see that right at, at our age and and for you, what was it that finally allowed you to go from being an introvert to being more extroverted? Oh, man, long, very long uh, winding road to to um, finally kind of meet 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 an idea of my expectations, let alone being in it or exceed. I think where I first felt some belonging or I guess some, some community was I was in high school and I had a man who had become my mentor, Frank Roberts. He was in charge of the drama department. I also had a, an incredible teacher in creative writing and journalism named Lucille Burt. And those two people instigated a lot of confidence, but curiosity. They loved curiosity and they leaned into the idea even so much as to say, Hey, if you're curious about skipping a class and sneaking into the theater and pretending you're a character on stage, you may get in trouble, curiously, but that might be something that you want to act upon. And it was an incredible, uh, man, I, I get chills thinking about it because it was an incredible early gift that I didn't realize till some years later was uh, one of the very first, uh, I guess, stepping stones towards uh, realizing a career or anything beyond just something locally in my hometown. Yeah, it's really amazing how just something like that, something that your teacher teachers had had said to you, and that becomes the impetus for now looking back, an incredible career still with more to come, as we'll talk about. But isn't that just it's so incredible that just words when people tell you that words can change someone's life or a kid's life? Yes. Like how true is that? One time I was, I used to, um, I love to sketch, to draw, very abstract, but a lot of symbol meaning, you know, it's like kind of like there's little hidden quotes and faces and doorways and all these things I would draw. And sometimes I would draw on the desk. And one time during uh, Lucille's class, I was drawing on the desk and suddenly she was behind me looking down and I was, you know, mortified that she caught me doing this. And I said something to the effect of like, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll erase this. And she put her hand gently on my shoulder and she said, no, you can draw on the desk. If you draw on the desk, as long as it's not something lewd, then something you draw might inspire somebody else sitting here later in, in this class. It was like, wow, wow, wow. She sounds like a git. I mean, just when you have someone like that and thinking about that as a mentor initially and talk to me, I, for you and we'll get into, I mean, you've got a big premiere tonight. It's pretty incredible. But before I get there, I want to ask you, what was it like, the challenges? And I, I, I'm sure just so many coming out and being a stand-up comic. It's to me, probably when I think of things, the hardest thing to do to put yourself up there, knowing you're going to be in a position where you're going to get crushed or whatever it might be. How was it like for you and how did you overcome that initially? You know, a lot, a lot of what you said reminded me, almost brought me back to those early performances. And you get a lot of elements and kind of kickback from being on stage. And one of those elements I 
feel like was I already felt so rotten in a lot of ways mm. about my ability to be present that strangely enough, the feeling of it all just being on the surface on stage, like I can't get fight or flight. I can't get any more scared of those things I'm already scared of than right here. And I'm not saying it was like a way to, to hurt myself more, but a little bit of it was like, if I'm already this terrified in my life, just fuck it. You know, I yeah. mean, this is like, this is a place where I know I'm getting something out of this. And on the other hand, what was I getting? I was almost immediately after those first open mics and, and giving it a shot, I was already uh, realizing that that was the happiest place that I was, was finding a way to share something, my imagination, a way to like get some of these concoctions out of my mind, but to feel community, to feel received by people. It was important and it, and it, uh, it healed me. But it also perplexed me because I realized it's such a almost impossible to ro erode because there are really no there's no turnstiles. You almost have to create where those turnstiles are yourself. So it's it's a puzzle. The athleticism that I get from my dad was like, how do I how do you win? And then the self kind of love and compassion of just being a, a creative thinker. I was getting a little of everything, even though I, I was terribly unrefined at that point. It sounds like it was an incredible therapeutic experience, which really seems like you knew at that point, like you needed to be doing this. But it also seems that because of the nature of, of the business and having a, a great show and then maybe not such a great show, was that very difficult for you at that time when? after you did a great show and felt so much part of the community and then not such a great show. Was that very hard for you to handle and to take? Yeah. Uh, the shows more often than not were not of the caliber that you dreamt it would be. And then there would be those nights where you'd, you'd get in bed and your my foot would be shaking and I'd be replaying so many moments of it in my mind. But through that reflection and also as a student of comedy or of, of performance in general, from watching late night talk show guests to watching other comedians and what were, you know, what is causing that person who is talented to fail? What is causing that person who doesn't have a lot of the tools to be suddenly finding some progress and some su success? And you have to be able to and truly to be successful. You have to be present and out there at the same time. You have to be present. You have to understand your audience, to understand the environment around you isn't just a bubble you create that you go, why aren't I winning? I created it. You have to be able to also move around with that bubble and find out other ways to invite people into your vision. Yeah, it's, re it's really interesting when you, you talk about that. And I think because for the novice or someone who's like, Oh, that dude's funny or this, like you hear about great athletes and they study film and the vol and, and, and they have to know their environment. And it's almost like the veteran smart and, and how that important was for you and how seriously you took it. And I want to talk because you are taking the time and tonight you have an actual premiere for Above It All, which is your new special. You have this incredible, I guess, premiere that's going on at, tell me because you've been, <laughs> want, you've been wanting a premiere at this place. It sounds like you're getting my heart racing. So I was like, okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> it's, at, it's at the TCL Chinese 
Theater, which many people know through the years as, you know, Man's Chinese Theater and Grauman's. It's where Star Wars has all those famous photographs outside the black and white. The people put their hands in cement, Hollywood Boulevard with the stars and the Walk of Fame. It's kind of the center of dreams. It's it's quite literally off of a street that looks like it's sparkling with flecks of, uh, you know, uh, dream dust. Yeah. And it's right there. And it's a place that I always felt like uh, would be a nice spot to sit in the dark with fellow dreamers and and hopefully somebody looks at the person next to them and they're laughing and also going like, wow, like this came to fruition. This this kid made this happen. Yeah. How excited are you? It's world famous, right? The Chinese theater. And I guess it's the TLC Chinese theater today. But TCL. <laughs> yeah. TCL, I do the same thing. I say TLC and say, yeah, TCL. Uh, TCL. All right. Yeah. TLC. What is TLC? Tender loving. Right. Exactly. There's a little of that in there too, but... <laughs> you are performing in this place that to me is the epitome. I live in New York City. It's like performing, you know, whether it's Carnegie Hall, the garden, which you had performed out. And I think one of the only comedians actually to sell out from what I understand. But if we look at it or the Apollo, this for California and really Hollywood in general. I mean, if you're doing a premiere, this is the place you want to do that. How does that make you feel going back to your history and thinking about just when you first started? Yeah, it's a crossroads for a lot of things now at 30 years of doing stand up. And it's it's even prior to that. It's it's a show that takes place. You know, I filmed the show at my home. There's a purpose for that and a reason. I grew up as a kid where in Arlington, we would all gather on somebody's you know stoop. At some point. And there were nights when, you know, few too many drinks and everybody's kind of doing little impersonations, telling stories of the neighborhood. Sometimes uh, conversations could even get a little serious, but then pockets of funny. And I just loved that feeling. And it always felt like a show and I could be funny in those moments. So to film this on my front porch, hearkening back to being 11, 12 years old, to love Star Wars, to love this historic spot and to want to be a comic that is, has done things big, Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, Saturday Night Live, you know, the Beacon Theater, like big, beautiful, bombastic, uh, dare I say, holy shit moments that I've always wanted to try to create and cultivate. So to have that at the center point of where the biggest films take place and to have a comedy film that is really going back to when I was just a kid doing this at 11, 12 years old on the front porch, it feels like the end of a long chapter, three decades, but it feels like the very beginning of the next chapter. What were some, I know it's really cool. I love how you talk about doing it in your home because of that feeling that you can only recreate from growing up in Arlington. And like you talked about, like that's where a lot of yourself as a person originated. What were those, some of those challenges when you're you're trying to film something like this on this level in your house. Well, you have to have the mechanics ready. You know, there's there's tons and tons and tons of stage time locally at clubs or on the road to put together every possibility of it going right and every possibility of saving it if something were to go wrong. So in terms of just preparation for success, which, as I'm sure you've talked about many times, every all the lady luck, all the 
inroads and shortcuts and somebody knew me and pulled me up. Once you get there, you got to have the goods. That's it. You got to have the goods. And if you get in the magic room, we all talk about where the, where the, the, the deal table is. You want to have a few more things that you could throw down because I've been in rooms where they go, we're actually not interested in that. What else do you got? And so to be prepared, but then to accept once I get up here, I've never done this before. And once I put a, a group of people on my front lawn and the cameras are going and drones are in the sky, it's going to be very different. Something outside of what I prepared probably will happen, did happen. And then you have to also understand that whatever that is, is okay. Whatever that is, let that, don't try to change that moment back into what you think it should be. Don't try to alter that moment to something else like surfing, ride that through, man. It's going to, it's going to take you where you're supposed to be. And thankfully we had two absolutely beautiful nights here, three weeks of rain and overcast until the Friday night when we said action, we were getting a traditional California sunset. And that's when we started in the last 10 minutes of magic hour is when I walked out my front door and was on the porch. So it was a, it was a thing of beauty and I'm so glad we captured it. And now I get to do something in success that I hope a lot of your viewers, listeners get to do, which is see a moment through. And then finally, when it's actual, then you get to be a fan of it and remember to to revel in that and enjoy it. So many people are off to the next thing already or trying to go, how do I capitalize? How do I build? You got to take a breather and a beat to kind of follow in the wake of the thing that you created to really see how it lives, how it moves, where it goes. I got to ask you, it was funny when you just said that, because I was thinking and I was going to say, like, are you going to get to enjoy this? Have you started to enjoy it? Or is your mind already on to what I could have done better? Or I know you answered this or, or how did you get to that point? Or were you always like that where you were able to, you know what, enjoy your successes? Because so many people don't. I'm very competitive with myself. I like to see things through, or at least check the boxes that I'm hoping, okay, I want to at least get these. And then hopefully something in the never been done before business happens around it. Growing up, I would watch late night television. And there was a man by the name of Johnny Carson, who was there long before Jimmy Fallon. And one thing I learned as a, as a kid watching that funny man entertain people, uh, and then even the comedians that he had on is he was very funny when the moment got away from him. He was very funny, right? When he was great. When it, was, when it was falling apart. And I took me a long time to realize, oh, what people are, what's endearing about that, even though you go, the joke didn't work. Oh no, is you just love him. You love his response and true emotion because what I was forgetting in the moment, feeling bad when a joke would go the wrong way is people are A, rooting for him because they care about him. So he's earned the right to be cared about enough to try something. And if it doesn't go, it's okay because they're rooting for him. He's ingratiated himself with that audience, his customers, his fans. And so somewhere along the way, about year 14 or 15, I was like, you know, I'm going to work this material out. I'm a storyteller. I know where my little laughs per minute should be, but I'm always going to stay curious. And even if it doesn't kill, if it's not the funniest way I've said it, as long as I'm real in it and I can almost in, a, in real time be doing commentary on what I'm doing as well as finding something new in that moment, I think that's what people latch onto and appreciate. 
in somebody creative, not so formulaic that you lose something very low res and real, which is important. I know for above it all, you you team back up with someone you've worked with in the past uh, successfully. Talk to me about your partner and uh, why you chose to, to work again and what it means basically to you, especially to have him working with you. Yeah. The great Marty Colner. When I was a kid, I would watch uh, George Carlin. It was called On Location, 1978. And that was directed by Marty Colner. I remember reading the credits at the end. Oh, who helped him put this idea? It was in the round. It was in Arizona, about 2000 people. It was where I fell in love with the round or that I, that idea of performing with a, in the center, uh, you know, kind of like circus style almost. And Years later, when I had the opportunity to, to meet Marty, I said, my dream has always been to create something like that, but like on a larger level. And I kind of pitched him this idea. He said, well, if it ever comes together, I'm, I'm there. And I got the HBO deal and Marty stepped in and, and directed it and gave me a career, really. I think I, for everything that I had done up until then, I was still kind of like, in some ways I was emerging and I had like this great underground. And I had an album that was doing great, but as far as like putting me on the map and, uh, giving me an aesthetic to be coupled or in tandem to the act and the physicality, you know, that's, that's Marty Colmer. So we did that. Then we did isolated incident, which was vastly different. That was one shot, 60 minutes all the way through in a small, like the opposite of the Boston garden. And then when I shared with him this idea and he came up to the house, I said, I can't think of anybody else that I'd rather accomplish this with. And he said, uh, well, let's get to work. That's awesome. More from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsors. Think about a bicycle. It takes balance to get where you want to go. Now, think about business. Whatever your business or organization, you ride the line between numbers and people. Just like the bike, it takes balance. CLA, CPAs, consultants, and wealth advisors. That's CLA. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP Investment Advisory Services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. And we're back. So, above it all, give me just a little bit of what to expect, what fans, people who are going to stream this, and we're going to get into that who aren't there tonight at the premiere or who are and might stream it again, but (laughs) tell me what makes this so special, so different. Why is it so meaningful to you? I think the the biggest difference is when I did vicious circle with Marty Culner, that was the middle of my career to now, right? It was about year 14 or 15. Here I am now 30, 31 uh, into the career. And the one thing that I've always wanted to be able to be brave enough to share was more introspection, to be able to talk about failing moments, to be able to talk about capsizing moments. And even in this special, there's traumatic moments. Introspection has always been a little elusive for me. And probably because there was a period in my life where I was like, I don't know how much I'm ready to share with people. And so when people see the act, I hope they're laughing first and foremost, but upon reflecting, I hope that they're understanding that some of these um, obstacles were really caustic and difficult to navigate, but I found a way to laugh through them 
and now to be able to share that humor with others. I love that. I'm getting chills in respect to that because it's so hard, especially with people who are out there and, and famous and comedians and just to really be authentic and put yourself out there. And will that be accepted? Will people, and I find, I think just from in general, especially in today's world, I think so many people, especially at this point in your career, will be able to relate and enjoy it more. Kind of like you talked about Carson, where people were like, they love the guy. So even in that moment, you know, they were able, but when you talk about things like this and you share things like this, I would imagine you will have an incredible response from people who don't know you as well or some of your biggest fans. Man, I, lo I love that you said that. And my hope would be after the entertainment value of the story, I really hope that people can investigate and understand that I was a person that felt like I was the furthest away from being able to be successful, that I was the furthest away from being able to communicate an idea because of so many different factors that I had to through therapy and just relying on self-love and affirmations yeah. and prayer and you name it. I did the work to try to pull some of the, the weeds out to be able to move forward. And I believe everybody has that ability. I truly feel like everybody has a, a greater purpose. And oddly enough, I feel like part of the challenge of this life is to get some of those blockades out. I don't know why. I don't know how or why we grow from nothing and every part's in the right place for the most part. But I also know that there's something in everybody that is both wonderful to see come to fruition, but there's a lot of stuff that you need to do diligence to get out of the way to be able to really see things through. And that's what I think this represents as a psychology of who I am 30 years in. I want you to laugh first, but there really is a psychology yeah. behind some of the moments I'm sharing that I think are a little bit more in looking back, like that could have broken me. That moment could have destroyed me. And now I can celebrate it and laugh with you about it. I love that because as I said, the honesty and, you know, you want people to laugh and they will because you're funny and because they've known you. But I love the fact you said when they walk away and maybe it's the next day and they think back and we're like, wow, you know, Dane, he went through X, Y, and Z, but he pulled himself together. And even talking about affirmations and meditation and things which I've had to do just to, and so many people I've interviewed have had to do because we get a lot of listeners who think, oh, Dane Cook, guy must have just been like, you know, start, hit it, like <laughs> everyone they get, you know, we had the guy who started Lululemon. Yeah. Lemon. They don't really, he went bankrupt five times, you know, like it's amazing that. I love that you're putting that out there and you're being completely honest. And at first you want what they come for, but secondly, to understand like your success, it's not easy. There's challenges in every profession. And there's challenges in, in success. You know, it comes with its own, uh, it comes with its own narrative. And that's something that you also have to be prepared for is once you meet your expectations or then exceed them, well, then suddenly you're you're in rare air. And when you're in rare air, sometimes you become a target or sometimes you yeah. become, you know, people are. Did that person like, you know, take a shortcut or it isn't always celebrated the way you would want it to be. And so something else I also, also try to like mentor 
you know, people, young artists that I, you know, mostly I talk to a lot of people that are entrepreneurial in a lot of ways, but I tend to talk to musicians and comedians. And I always try to tell them, like, learn to celebrate alone, learn what a personal victory really means. And those ruminations, the noise, the doubt, that's important, too. I've talked recently about like, don't be afraid in your rock bottom moment. I say, don't be afraid. Don't try to get to the surface immediately. Take a beat, look around, understand and the data you get in failure and those voices, the ruminating voices, sometimes even the doubt, believe it or not, there's even information in the, in the doubt. Sometimes you're putting doubt in yourself because you're afraid of success, but even in the doubt are some great ideas that you're immediately dismissing, but why are they there? So write, keep that journal, the good, the bad, the moments that you feel like you're uh, out in front, the moments that you feel like you're just in ass out at the very end, write it down. You would be amazed at how um, cathartic that is, but then to read later and do not be so frightened of the fit, the walls closing in failing moment. That is the start. That is not things falling apart. That is the moment. I believe things are falling together. I love that. And we've probably had 150 plus mostly entrepreneur business people. That could have been the best advice that I have heard in terms of our listenership who are entrepreneurs who have that fear, who in the minute of that failure or thinking just stop and they quit and they don't take. I love that taking the positive from what you perceive as the negative. And before I let you go, I just want to get to a point because it it seemed to me you were always ahead of your time from a business standpoint, because I know initially way before anyone had imagined what's gone on today with social media, Instagram, you were really looking at ways to promote sell yourself, build an audience. You started out and tell me, we'll talk about how you're streaming this, but tell me about originally just why, how that started, like with MySpace and and your own shows. I lived in a crappy little apartment when I first came to LA. I was on a failed sitcom that went away very quickly. And I found myself living with, my roommate was a giant cockroach that was so big that I could tell he had a bad knee. <laughs> and I was feeling mighty bad for myself in the, in the best possible way, really just, you know, Fruit Loops and sitting in a pair of old underwear trying to figure out how to, you know, how do I make this career come to fruition? And I remember sitting there and watching, a, it was like a I almost want to say it was like a BBC. Somehow I was ending up watching a documentary on punk bands in the 70s. And a couple of the punk bands were, I'd never heard of them. And yet they were so, they were so excited to be part of this uh, low budget documentary. But one moment stood out and it was early internet. Like this is when like 56K modem dialogue. We're all just starting to get into this internet age where it's like, oh, wow, this is like a little window to the world. A lot of people are asking each other on this right now. Where are they going? What are they doing? How do we identify each other? That wasn't really there yet, but got the internet. I've got my very first IBM ThinkPad computer. Got very hot. Even on the table, I thought it was going to like, you know, aliens acid its way through that table. And I'm watching the, the punk rock documentary and one band was like stapling flyers for their band name. I wish I could remember. It was called like, what, a Dragon's Breath or something like that. And they're stapling. Come see us with Dragon's Breath and blah, blah. And somebody walks up and they're talking about the flyer. And then suddenly the document 
three guys said, where there's not even a date on the flyer. There was no date. It was just their band's name and like, come see us. And the guy was like, paraphrasing was like, yeah, we didn't have any shows lined up, but if they remember the name and then they see it on the marquee. And, he, and I was like, wow, he doesn't even have a gig. <laughs> Love it. And it was like, it fucking, I was like, wait, okay. I'm going to use the internet. Like I'm stapling flyers. And I'm going to go into every room, whether it's room for new mom, pregnant moms or you know, hardware uh, ideas and how to build. A, I went into every forum and I stapled, hey, I'm Dane Cook. Here's a one link. I had one comedy link to a wave file I uploaded. And I started putting my name out there and saying, if you listen and laugh, find me wherever I was at the time on AOL. or, And that was it. That was the very first spark of if I meet people individually and shake hands and say, nice to meet you. Here's my comedy. Maybe I could build a little street team and they can help me get the word out. I love that because it just shows like the work you had to put in everything you had to do. Again, the perception we get because we have so many incredible uh, successful entrepreneurs and, and, and people of all walks of life and thinking it's just easy street. And you go back to, thinking of yourself going into like the pregnant mom's room and being like, Hey, you need comedy or you need this. Tell, tell us about the streaming platform right now that you are working with. What made you choose this platform and give us a little bit of background? Yeah. So I was familiar with uh, this site moment. I knew that Scooter Braun was an investor in it. And that kind of got me interested in reading the, the articles that were popping up online. But I also knew that I had this beautiful finished product that I was dismayed at the idea of going somewhat of a traditional route, even if that meant like, oh, a streamer or a network or somebody wants to pick it up for distribution. And on one hand, that could be lucrative, but on another hand, to me, seems very benign. And I think sometimes even great work lately, I've seen from friends of mine get kind of lost in the shuffle. And I was like, well, maybe if I go a more independent route, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I can do that at this point. You know, I'm not, I could always pour or like, if I need to recoup my investment, cause I paid for this whole thing myself, then there's other ways to recoup. But I, I liked the idea of the conversation being coming up with this other organization. And their whole goal is we want to be like a pay-per-view for internet. People can come here, whether it's a live event or something filmed and edited, and you can put it up for a seven-day contract, a 14-day contract, a three-month contract. You own your ID. We're just a provider. We take a fee and then you own it and you operate it. No, no chasing royalties, which by the way, maybe conversation for another day. <laughs> that, a, lot, a lot of bad language is causing a lot of great people to have to invest a lot of money to find their money. And it's really yeah. tragic. It's terrible. And so hopefully in success here, people will see that there are other avenues to be able to own and operate your IP, make your money back so that you can either invest in something else or in your family or your, your future. And to do that in a way that still can be interesting conversation. And I also like to be a little bit of a disruptor. I've always liked to do things slightly outside of towing the company line. And it's not to say that I don't have a lot of friends at those streamers that it may end up there, but I loved this first window and it brought me all the way back to what we've been talking about, which is like, this is where I got discovered. This is where I discovered people. This is, and so it just, it felt right to have this victory lap 
with the internet in this moment with moment. Well, I, I love it, man. I love your story. And uh, I want to wish you best of luck tonight with the premiere. And yeah, <laughs> you, you know, just to. I want to say, if I don't mind, I want to say one last thing, though, because I was so excited that you had me on. I love underdog stories and I love seeing people and I love communicating with people, which I do weekly, that say, Dane, I finally had my breakthrough moment. And I told you 11 years ago through an email, I'm in the worst place in my life. And listen, the one thing I can tell you from not only my own success and failure many times, but being in tandem with a lot of people. I know a lot of people at high success, mid success, you name it. I know everybody broken bread with everybody. The one thing that is for everybody is be assertive. Okay. Be assertive. You have your idea, take away all the particles that are bullshit. Take away all the little things that even, you know, as judge and jury, this isn't really me or this accoutrement is bare bones. And once you have that thing, do not be afraid to fight the good fight, believe wholeheartedly in your item or your idea or your, your presentation and cut away any negativity. If there's anybody around you who isn't supportive or on the ride, you don't have to listen. You have to cut them out forever, but you take a little hiatus. You take a little step back and, you know, kind of lay away plan and go, I need this time for me to focus on success. And if you're not here to embolden that, I need you to dip out for a minute and, and do not ever let go of being assertive. And that means being truthful to who you are. Communicate the way you need to communicate in your way, not something from a seminar, not something you even heard from me. Communicate it from your truth and trust your gut. And if you have a great idea that's been prepped and ready to go and you're assertive with it, you will move people. You will move people. I got to end it on that. I love that, man. I love that. Thank you so much for having me on here today, man. I really hope we can part to this too, because I know we only had an hour and I thought we could, we could break. Oh, we I'd could love break to get, once this gets rolled, I'd love to get you back on. And I mean, just yes. talking about from a standpoint of understanding and, and especially from where you come in your profession and getting smacked down, I'm sure so many times and having to be able to stand up and from where you came from, even as a child and being an introvert and showing people our listeners, they're all either entrepreneurs now, successful, starting, struggling, sitting on the, you know, standing on the diving board at some corporation and scared to take the jump. But like what you said, what you put together here and believing in it. And I love that at the end of just cut out the noise, follow your dream, be yourself and go yeah. for it and keep yeah. and going it, for it. And it sounds somewhat cliche, but be confident. You don't have to lessen yourself if you feel like at one moment in your life, you're the smartest person in the room with the best idea. Yes, be that person in that moment. There's a lot of places you will not be that person. That's when you listen. That's when you tune in and go, okay, how can I add that, implement that into my organization or into my purpose or into my seminar or whatever that might be. One last thing. One time I was with a good buddy of mine, Jay, and we were walking through a mall and there was a whole group of people, maybe a thousand people, and they were watching, there was a, a water display similar to like in Vegas where the water was going up and is, you know, the music's playing and everybody's just standing here and watching the water and we're standing there. And my buddy Jay turned to me, he goes, look at my buddy Jay turned to me. I'm so sorry. Landline. Okay. <laughs> wow. You really uh, love that. MySpace <laughs> landline. I'm so sorry. The landline is ringing. The 56K. <laughs> Whoever this is, is called back in 10 minutes. <laughs> 
<laughs> so sorry. I'm sorry about that. So I'm standing there with my friend Jay and he goes, look at all these people. And I look around and say, everybody is watching the cascading water. And he turned to me and he said, anything that's delivered in confidence, people can't take their eyes off of mm. even water. Yeah. So be confident in your ideas. And um, if you're prepared and ready, I truly believe that you can uh, you can make an impact. We all can. I love it. Above it all, it's uh, your new show streaming premiere tonight. Best of luck. It's been a pleasure having you. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.